Hello and welcome everyone. It's so nice to see everyone today. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. I'm Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance. I'm delighted to be here today and join with me is Liz Gannon-Graden, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead. And our special guest today is a longtime friend of the Peace Alliance, Gerilyn Stapleton. Gerilyn and I first met in 2005 when we went to the first conference in Washington, D.C. for the Peace Alliance that we attended. We've attended more since then. <laughs> but Gerilyn, can you come off mute and say good morning? Good morning, everyone. Happy to it's be nice. here. It's nice to see you. We're delighted to have you. I'm looking forward to having your story shared. But first, we're going to start with Yelena to lead us in a little meditation practice and bring us all in. Yelena? Welcome, everyone. Um, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is where you're at or when you're listening to this podcast. Um, I would like to share actually a meditation that um, it's part of um, work that Rasma Menekin um, in his book, My Grandmother's Hands, um, has shared. And it's um, how to kind of come into the room. So um, it will take us on a little bit of a journey from outer space into our own seat. So you are for a treat. Um, so take any posture that your body will appreciate most at this moment. That could be sitting, standing, or laying down. You're welcome to be on camera if you're alive or off, whatever feels most comfortable. And just allow your eyes to close if that's your um, preference at this moment. Just take few nourishing breaths. Yeah. Just imagine you are floating in space. Oh, you, it's a planet Earth. Just turning slowly. Just watch it for a moment, turn slowly. And slowly descend till the part of the country you are in fills your field of vision. Just stay there a little bit directly above it, just like a satellite. Just keep coming down and descending until you're looking down whatever city, town, mountain, valley. Your body is space right now. And continue your descent till you're looking down at the top of the 
building you're in. If you're seated outdoors, the sun far enough so that you can see your own body. You're viewing yourself from a helicopter. And just keep slowly and steadily dropping. Dropping till you can see your body in details. As if you are above, just about 10 feet above it. Just observe your body posture, any movement, clothing. Just slowly and smoothly descend the rest of the way and slip inside your body. For a few breaths, simply be aware of being in your body right at this moment. Allow yourself to relax and let the gravity support you. Just notice if there are any sensations present any temperature you're noticing in your body, any pressure, any movement. Perhaps you're noticing breath, soles of the, the earth. And with a few breaths, just allow yourself to offer gratitude for your body and your presence at this moment. As we come to the close of the practice, just breath gently if your eyes were closed. Gently allow light to come in and think, think around you, behind you. And if you need movement, allow your body to move. Just now return to here and now. Thank you all for your practice. And welcome, Gerilyn. So lovely to see you and be in the space. Thank you. Well, the same with you. That was a beautiful meditation. Thank you so much. Um, my story today uh, is from a recent um, trip <laughs> that I took. Uh, I hadn't been uh, on an airplane uh, in two, two and a half years, you know, like during COVID, like the majority of us. 
and uh, usually normally I would be going two or three times trips uh, a year. Uh, I was uh, on my way to Chicago for the national conference, national now conference. Now is the national organization for women, and uh, and so I needed to be there for uh, the board meeting, which happens the day before you know the actual conference started. And and what happened like during the conference was I, I was elected to represent the Pacific District on the national board. Um, so I was really, really nervous about uh, traveling again, uh, not knowing how things would be, you know, like uh, post-COVID uh, as we consider ourselves to be in at this point. Not really, but uh, anyway, uh, I, I have a habit of carrying uh, my important uh, cards like my driver's license and credit cards and everything i carry them in my pocket uh i don't think it's a good idea to have them in a wallet in the purse i feel more safe uh, with them on my person so i had uh, changed my pockets uh, with the clothes that i was wearing for the trip and the cards had fallen on on the floor i i, I picked them all up and uh thinking i had my driver's license and everything uh in there and uh you know was packed proceeded downstairs uh to be out in front uh for the the lift that was scheduled the day before to pick me up and of course this is my first experience with with ordering a, a lift or an uber so uh they didn't show up, so I started to panic. I called a cab company. They said they didn't have anyone that could pick me up in the vicinity, gave me another cab company to call, which I did. Uh, they weren't sure that they could get a, a, a taxi there, you know, within, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Well, then I really started to panic, <laughs> and I'm thinking, if I wait 15, 20 minutes and no one shows up again, I'm going to miss my flight. So I decided to jump in my car and make a mad dash to the airport. I was probably speeding <laughs> every chance I could get in my quest to get to the airport and get parked, uh, which at the Burbank airport, you park and they have a tram that uh, that you get on that takes you from the parking lot, you know, to the actual uh, terminal building. So I got parked and immediately a tram shows up. Now they only come about like every 10 minutes and like not, not wanting to wait or waste any time. I, I flagged her down. It happened to be a woman driver and that I hadn't gotten my bag out of the car yet. So she was nice enough actually to get out and help me with my bag and get everything on onto the tram and uh, and to get to the terminal. Uh, I get to the terminal and I go to check my bag and I had my boarding pass. And so along with that, 
I gave them what I thought was my driver's license. So I have a mobility problem. I can't walk like long distances. So I have to get a wheelchair, which they're, they're really nice at Burbank Airport and in terms of accommodating uh, everyone. So they, they get me a wheelchair and the guy, after they check the bag, he comes back and he hands me what is my uh, SAG, that's the Screen Actors Guild uh, Film Society card, which has a picture of identification on it with a white background, which, you know, from if your eyes aren't working too good, <laughs> uh, it looks similar to your driver's license. So I go, what's this? And, and so then I started checking, you know, through my cards to find my actual driver's license and it's not there. So the guy that was pushing me in the wheelchair, he said, do you still want to proceed? And uh, I, did not want to miss this flight because it would have just ruined uh, the timeline uh, tremendously. So I said, yes, let's go. I said, why, why do you have to, you know, show them uh, all this identification? He says, they just want to make sure that you are you. So I said, well, I have lots of identification, whatever. But when we got up to the TSA guy, uh, gave him my SAG card <laughs> and the boarding pass or whatever, and they passed me through. I go through uh, every everything just fine, uh, and he gets me uh, to the gate five minutes ahead of boarding time. So anyway, and I'm on the flight. Uh, I had a connecting flight, which just seems to be the way you travel now. It's not anything direct you have to make all of these stops and change planes and all of that um which was interesting because then i had to wait you know like a half hour you know for the wheelchair folks which i find out uh there's they had outsourced them and there's a shortage of of staff and one reason is that they're paying practically they're paying them practically nothing, thinking that they're going to be making all their money, you know, like on tips, which is not is not actually accurate. And but then that poses a problem in terms of uh, the staffing and the wheelchairs. So I uh, get to Chicago and well, to back up a little bit, when you have a connecting flight and now you're having to wait, you know, for for the wheelchairs and whatever is getting like even more stressful. <laughs> so not only that, so when I actually get to Chicago, we had, we, I'm saying there was another woman in another wheelchair. Her and I are both sitting there waiting uh, for someone to come and take us to where we needed to go. So, which is kind of nice. You get to know people. <laughs> uh, in fact, I enjoy traveling because I, I really get, get to, uh, meet people that I would normally meet and be able to talk about the Peace Alliance, my favorite subject. Anyway, I'm digressing here. Um, now on the way back, and so my friend that I'm staying with and whatever, she's just laughing, laughing with, or 
that I got to travel and get through security on my side card. So now when we leave Chicago, we get to the airport, uh, get the wheelchair and we're going up, uh, up to the TSA. And this person, this woman, uh, seemed to be like she might've been prior military or something, running everything by the book. So I explained to her what had happened, you know, in Burbank to even get me to Chicago, that uh, she was saying, well, do you have any other identification? So I had my uh, expired uh, passport, which also has a picture on it. But uh, in that uh, was my uh, social security card, my Medicare, you know, all kinds of uh, I, personal ID. And then, and she says, well, do you have anything else? And I said, yes, I have credit cards or whatever. And I gave her, and she says, well, give me as many of those as you can. So I gave her not everything, but a good majority of the ones that I use more frequently. And so she takes them and she, well, I'll have to take this, I have to take this to my supervisor. So now, I'm sitting in the wheelchair with my friend and the nice young man who's pushing the wheelchair. We're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And all of a sudden it dawns on me, there went my whole life, you know, with the, with the identification. Uh, not only could people copy that information, all kinds of things started going through your, through your mind. And uh, one of the things was, well, what happens if they don't let me on this on this flight? And how am I going to get home? The other thing that occurred to me was, oh my goodness, this must what it feels like when a human trafficker confiscates uh, all of a person's identification, and they have then no way to prove who they are, which is just a very, very strange feeling that you even have to have all of this identification to prove who you are. So I'm starting to really get nervous the longer that it's taking for them to get back. And I'm told, well, it went from one supervisor to another or whatever. And finally, a, a gentleman comes back uh, with all of my identification. And then he has to proceed. Then he's the one that has to take me through uh, the checking points and, and, and whatnot. Uh, we get through all of that. Now, I have a briefcase. Uh, with uh, files in my computer and whatever, and also my purse. I have never in life had them go through my belongings like they did <laughs> at that point. That gentleman must have taken every single item out of my purse. Then I'm realizing how much stuff I had in my purse. But he's not putting things back in the proper place so that's upsetting again about because 
I know where everything is. <laughs> He's now discombobulating everything. And not only that, then he goes to, you know, like my, where I have my files and whatever. And he proceeds to start putting them back in upside down where everything could fall out. So I'm at my wits end. I wanted to scream and I thought, I can't because I need to get on that plane. So I don't want to interrupt or do anything to cause not being able to get uh, back on that plane and back home. So uh, now I'm worried about my driver's license. I'm checking around the car. I thought maybe he had fallen out and always around the car. Not there. I'm, I'm looking, I'm backtracking all my steps to try to find my driver's license. And finally, you know, like the next morning, I'm, I'm, I'm looking down and I see this little teensy tiny little bit of white. Uh, and sure enough, it had slidden, slid underneath my bed. So I now have, I now have my driver's license back. I don't have to go to the DVM and go through all of that of trying to get a second one. But anyway, that's that's my saga of of that. Um, I don't know exactly what to call it. Uh, uh, adventure. I, I don't know whether it's something that I would like to add in terms of adventure, but it, <laughs> it was quite an experience. Anyway, I'll turn it back to you, Yelena. That sounds like an experience, Gerilyn. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. And so we're going to go into breakout rooms. And Liz and Yelena, would you like to share an inquiry before we do that? Yeah, um, I would. And I'm going to tell kind of a brief story of my own as a way into the breakout rooms. Uh, Gerilyn, when we were talking about your story, one of the things that I was thinking about is if anyone stu studied physics, even a little bit, right? There's a thing called the observer effect. And that's that idea that the person who observes, right? Just by the power of observing, you have an effect on the interaction. I was thinking so much about Gerilyn and the fact that the way she was perceived Right in Burbank, if you guys don't know what a SAG card is, which you was talking about, it's Screen Actors Guild. So in Burbank, California, a SAG card might be enough to get you recognized and seen as someone, oh, this is a person who is safe. And, and that the person in charge had a lot of power. The observer had so much power over how uh, Gerilyn was seen and how the interaction was going to go. But in Chicago, it was a different observer. It was a different person who was seeing Gerilyn in a different way or not seeing and not sure if they had the power or how they were going to use their power. And I like that you talked about, you brought it up briefly, right? That idea of once you had all your ID taken away from you, saying, I can't prove who I am in this moment. And here you are, you know, a woman who has resources and, and some level of power and could make a phone call. And, and how many people are out there in circumstances very different in that case? Um, and the thing that I was thinking of, and some of you may have heard me tell this story is at the beginning of COVID, you talked about how much COVID changed us. My husband is Jamaican. And so my boys look like some combination of the two of us. And I don't always think about it, but during COVID when no one was getting a haircut, my older son grew his hair out and it got really long and it grew into an Afro. And he was driving and he was going everywhere. And it was right around the time that, if you know the story, Dante Wright 
was killed and my son doesn't look that different from Dante Wright. And all I could think of as I sent him out in the world is please let whoever sees him, sees him how he is. See my beautiful child, see my precious son. You know, and I thought about how much power there is in who sees us and how we're seen. So as we send you into the breakout room, we'd like you to like what we'd like in, or invite you in response to Geraldine's really very simple but profound story is, um, is there a case in your life where you were on one side of an interaction, right? Where you either really had the power to see someone and make their way smoother and easier, or you didn't, you really relied on someone really seeing who you were in a way that you hoped they could make your life easier or make the interaction better. So, uh, you know, as we move into the groups, I don't know if that's an exact enough question, but um, just as we respond to Geraldine's story about her sitting there saying, please let them see me, please let them, okay, make smooth my path. Uh, if you might recall an instance in which you were in that position on one side or the other. Wonderful. Thank you, Liz. So as we go into the breakout rooms, our agreements are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that others have an opportunity to share and to keep confidentiality. When we come back from the breakout rooms, we'll share what's alive and sharing the themes or sharing your own personal story should you choose is fine, but don't share someone else's story unless they want to. And um, if you're not interested in speaking and sharing, give the gift of listening. And that's a wonderful gift to give. So I'm going to pause the recording and then we'll be back here in just a few minutes. Welcome back, everyone. I'm seeing smiling faces. Oh my goodness, what fun. Does anybody want to share anything alive for you from the rooms? You can unmute yourself and share. Don't be shy. I know I'm loving, I want to know what all the smiles are. Yeah, yeah. I know. Anna, you, you're off mute. Okay, I think. I, I, I defer to Andrew, who is new to me. Um, so I hope, Andrew, you just say what you just said and why we have <laughs> smiles on our faces. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can well, say it better. <laughs> well, no, well, it's, it, was, it was the last statement. Uh, we were talking about um, peace department and, uh, and the need for it and whatever, the, the, the political aspect and the and I just added at the end, we all we all already have a peace department. It's within. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you, Andrew. And thank you, Anna, for the prompt. <laughs> Who else would like to share? You can unmute yourself.
Well, Susan, are you there? Um, we, ha we had a very interesting discussion um, on uh, the different situations that we've all uh, identified oh. with Gerilyn. And, but we got on the topic at the end of talking about the Department of Peace and how at this time of all times, because of uh, the anxiety, the stress that everybody's been feeling on top of everything else that's going on with two and a half years of chronic stress with the pandemic and all of the escalation of violence on so many different levels. Susan was talking about something that would be very interesting to bring to the Peace Alliance. She's talking about um, civil, uh, civil discourse in classrooms uh, program that she experienced. And I think she's, I know she was, uh, she probably isn't with us right now. She was waiting for some company to come. So she might've left us, but so I'm sort of speaking for her and maybe the other people in our group could say some more about the idea of look at, listening to both perspectives when you have a, a particular situation and there's different points of view, doing the pros and cons of both perspectives and then changing sides and how uh, profound that is. And of course, I was thinking how interesting that would be doing that with the Democrats and the Republicans right now, or the Oath Keepers and the, you know, the other side, trying to understand the Trump people and the people that aren't for Trump, all of these crazy things that are really escalating violence right now. Hmm. So that's all. Yeah, lovely, and thank you. These are really challenging times. There's a lot of discord um, and a lot of stress on the system. And Geraldine's story showed some of the stress, some of the stress that she felt just trying to travel. And all the more reason, I think that's the, uh, we end, I was smiling when we came on because we, uh, Susan was just finishing when we got cut off talking about, you know, we really need to uh, ramp up the uh, social media to talk about the Department of Peace because it, these, the solutions are there. They're just not like in our policies yet. So, and it, it's just of all the times that it's really needed, it's right now. Mm. Thank you. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to share? Gerilyn, do you have any closing thoughts? Well, you just uh, in listening to Anne, one of my favorite people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, with all of the conflicts right now, uh, it's, uh, you know, the Department of Peace is more important. Than, I mean, it's always been important, but it just seems like it just keeps, you know, the importance in terms of the violence that has been uh, really, it's always been there, but since uh, 2016, it was given license to really, really come out and really show its 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 face, which is you know like really, really important. So at this point, uh, saving democracy in it of itself is a really a prime prime issue. If we if we are going to be able to sit down with other folks and listen and try to understand uh, 
why they think uh, the way they do and what you know causes them to behave uh, in a manner that they are now behaving in, which is not productive really for anyone. Uh, mm -hmm. Looking at what happened on uh, January 6th, and now people are starting to be prosecuted and to be uh, put in prison and whatever. So this is not good in it for anyone, <laughs> whatever whatever side you might want to take, you know, politically, but for society in general, it's uh, very unhealthy, period. Yeah. So for our mental health, for our physical health, uh, any way that you want to look at it. So I know the conversations are difficult because it seems like uh, some folks just have a very narrow set of mind where it's believing what they're taught uh, in, in certain ways, which the, the country was formed to be able to accommodate uh, anyone's choices in terms of the faith that you wanted to follow, the beliefs that you wanted to follow. It was mm -hmm. designed to coexist, not to have one dominate and control and set everything for everyone else. So we're in a position that this is teetering and to me uh, can be very, could be, could be, <laughs> hopefully it won't. Uh, and I think that the American public uh, from the results I'm seeing on certain issues are saying, no, this is not the country that I wanna live in. This is not the America that I, you know, want. And yeah. so that it seems like the leadership and making the laws and whatever are not quite in step with what majority of, of our folks in America want to see. So and that's encouraging to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yet this week provided a lot of hope in that regard. There were a lot of policies that right. came together and coalesced. But thank you, Geraldine, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for participating. I'm going to put a few links in the chat. Peace, the Peace Alliance podcast and the Hope Story Circle is brought to you by the Peace Alliance. And our website is peacealliance.org. Our podcasts are on the website. Also a page about our Hope Story Circles. There's also a link to our Blueprint for Peace, which is a major initiative. You can click on the link and let all of your elected officials know locally and on a federal level and everything in between that you support policies related to violence reduction and peace building. Also a link to the page about the Department of Peacebuilding um, legislation, HR 1111, which we were talking about earlier. We are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size. Our donate link is on the webpage um, and their calendar of events. So you can find our next Top Story Circle and other things that we might be doing along the way. So with that, I'm gonna hand it off to you, Liz, to bring us to a close. Can I just say one thing just before we do that, sure, if it's of not a, too much? Um, I'm from Montreal, Canada, but I'm a snowbird and I spend six months a year in Florida. Oh. Um, and over the last four years, I have seen major changes in just the way that people respond to each other. So mm -hmm. I was not surprised that, you know, we didn't volunteer 
easily to, to, to talk or whatever. I've seen that. I've seen that with my neighbors in, in, in the States. Um, the pandemic also has, has a role to, to play with that with people keeping social distancing and, and everything. Um, but but we need to we need to to find ways in which we can reach out and to to bring empathy around us and the only way that we can do that now really is through focusing inner focusing and building our energetic levels raising our to use a phrase our vibrations in a way that would bring people into our circles mm. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate that. Andrew, I so appreciate what you're going to say because it's a perfect lead into what I was going to say. I want to weave um, just a closing from what Andrew said before and now and what Anne said and what Geraldine said. And many of you know that uh, I regularly have this, ex this thing that I do in Bryant Park in New York, which is near Times Square, this crossroads of humanity. I throw this, it used to be weekly, it will be again, tea party for strangers and friends alike. And when I was figuring out how to connect with people, I just, there was a question I decided I was going to ask when I meet people, because it may be the only time I meet them. So the question I have learned to ask is, What's the best thing about yourself that you would like to share with a stranger, right? Oh. And it's an answer that people don't have a ready conversation answer for. And I've gotten beautiful conversations. And last week I was at a party and I found myself seated next to a person who I thought, or I got the impression might think politically differently than I did. And, and so I started with that question. And the person said to me, wow, you know what? I really love the Grateful Dead. That's what they shared, right? I love the Grateful Dead. And I said, I have to tell you something. When I gave birth, I'm, I was not a big fan. I didn't know the Grateful Dead well, but when I was pregnant with my first child, I found the music of a drummer, Mickey Hart. And he recorded in utero. He recorded, he, when his wife was pregnant, he recorded his child's heartbeat in utero and built a drum concert around it. And that's what I was playing when I was in labor with my son. And I shared that story and we never got to a conversation that might've gone to a place of politics or anything else, right? We went to this place of how do we connect at that human level, right? And it goes to those, how do we get to the human stories? How do we get there? So what I invite you to do, right? As we move into our next kind of two weeks before our next story is to, um, what Jaron shows, right, every day we have way more personal encounters than huge political encounters. So as we go through our very personal lives to kind of think about that, right, and look for ways to connect at the human level um, and negotiate those ways from our heart. So I thank you, Jaron, for your story. I thank you, Andrew, for your beautiful observation <laughs> and Anne for your invitation, right, to those conversations that could look different. And I wish you all a beautiful, beautiful uh, kind of two weeks before our next connection. Thank you so much. Everyone, please feel free to come off mute and say goodbye. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. And now Thank we're you. all smiling, Thank right? You. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you, Geraldine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.